0: From Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News, this is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. The school budget bills sail through the Joint Finance Appropriations Committee. A teacher salary bill heads to the House floor. A pre-K bill dies in a House committee. It was a full week at the State House. A lot to get caught up on. Uh,
1: Yeah, that almost sounds like an entire legislative session recap, but it was just the last five days. Let's start at the beginning of the week, Kevin. The public school budgets, the largest expense every year uh, to the state of Idaho's general fund. We were both there. You were the lead reporter. What are some of the highlights from the budget this year? What can we expect? Well, I think, first of all, one of the takeaways from Monday is how quickly
0: and how smoothly the process went. You had basically no questions in from the committee members. Uh you know you had a working group of members of the committee republicans and at least one democrat working behind the scenes on the details of these seven budget bills so everything was pretty well set even before the committee began its work monday morning the bottom line numbers these budgets taken together would increase public school spending by about 110 million dollars and that translates to about a 6.1% increase And there are definitely some areas that that come out ahead in this budget proposal. Uh, Governor Little gets a a big policy win, a big political win. Uh, The committee decided to double the budget for early literacy and uh, for helping at-risk students. That budget would go from $13 million to $26 million. And that's a topic I I want us to get back to uh, later on in the podcast. Superintendent Sherry Ibarra and members of the committee uh, got a win as well. They, uh, the committee voted to put about $14 million of additional funding into operational spending or discretionary spending, depending on which term you want to use. This is money school districts can use. A lot of that money would be earmarked to help schools cover the rising cost of health insurance and benefits for employees. That was something Governor Little did not include in his budget. Superintendent Nabarra included it in her budget. Several members of the committee were really adamant about making sure that that got funded. So those are, those are a couple of the big things. The career ladder, this, it feels like it almost goes without saying at this point, because the career ladder has, you know, had such widespread support in the state house the past couple of years. Year five of the career ladder would be funded in this uh, budget request. So we're talking about another $49 million. Yep, funded in full. Going, going into that. Uh, there would be some raises for administrators, for classified staff. Uh, there would be funding for this first year of the master uh, educator premiums. Uh, the committee decided to put about $7 million into it, but you know, really, it's a crapshoot. Nobody really knows exactly how much this is going to cost. Nobody really knows exactly how many uh, teachers are going to apply and qualify for the premiums. But there is money there with the idea that you might see more money put in uh, down the road uh, money taken out of reserves if needed to, to cover the rest. So those are some of the highlights. And now all seven of these budget bills go to the house and Senate for a vote. We've seen it before. Appropriations bills can get voted down on the floor. We saw, you know, you know, we saw an appropriations bill voted down on the house floor just last year over the fight over the reading test. So it does happen. It just doesn't happen very often. Right. So for these bills to pass out of the committee and to pass out of the committee unanimously, all seven of the budget bills passed unanimously, that gives you a sense that uh, barring something really unforeseen, a really dramatic turn of events, uh, these budget bills are, are greased at this point for passage.
1: Yeah, I think the overall number is looking at a 6.1% increase over current year spending. As things stand now, uh, that's about $110 million more than the current budget year. Uh, Looking at $1.9 billion overall general fund spending for public education, and yeah, the biggest components of that were the uh, career ladder, the fifth year of raises under the career ladder, the literacy initiative, the discretionary spending initiative. But stay tuned. Uh, Even though these budgets passed, we're going to get a little bit into the weeds here just for a moment, if you'll bear with us. We may hear a little bit more from these budgets. Two more proposals, not funded yet, making their way through the legislature, potentially could be funded, right? Right. So this is where um, one of my favorite
0: legislative uh, phrases comes into play, the, the trailer bill. And this is
1: you're a trailer happen- bill guy? I'm a radiator cap guy myself. Yeah, but radiator cap the, trailer. You explain know. the trailer bill, though, what that means. So what this means is that after
0: the budget committee finishes its work, uh, they could come back at a later date and run another spending bill, a follow-up bill, a trailer bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could definitely see that happening in, in public education this year. Two things Uh, I'm looking uh, at. And a a couple of bills, and you were in the committees on Wednesday when both of these bills came up. Uh, We're talking about more money for teacher salaries and more money perhaps for mastery-based education. Give us the rundown of what happened in those uh, education committees on Wednesday. Yeah,
1: it gets a little confusing. Don't confuse this with the career ladder. That uh, has the funding in place. Governor Brad Little, who kicked off his State of the State Address in January, saying he wanted to raise beginning teacher salaries specifically above and beyond what the career ladder would do. So he has a bill uh, that just passed out of House Education this week, uh, is waiting on the floor for a vote as we speak, Uh, could come up early next week. But his bill would raise starting teacher salaries in Idaho up to $40,000 over the next two years. A little bit different approach. Initially, he wanted to spend something like $11.8 million, do it all. Uh, in one fell swoop this year because of budget constraints, specifically the revenue withholding issue and a lot of caution around the state budget, decided to break that up into two years. I think this year's uh, proposal would be just something like maybe $3.8 million, and then the, the balance of it would come next year. That would actually raise beginning teacher salaries for the first three rungs on the career ladder within the residency rung of the career ladder. And uh, just the mechanics of that, real simply, are so that you wouldn't raise the bare minimum teacher salary to $40,000 a year and then have it drop below yeah, that for a year sec- two right. and three. So it's making sure that nobody would get a decrease. That passed out of house education heading to the floor seems to have some support. So that is one area where you could maybe potentially see JFAC add another $3.8 million in a trailer bill if... Uh, Governor Little's salary bill passes both the mm-hmm. House and the Senate. Right. Looks like the chances for that are fairly decent. Now,
0: mastery is a little bit different situation, although that bill also passed out of uh, committee, a, a bill to expand the mastery program. And this really does get to be in the weeds because we're talking about a policy bill and, and a, a spending bill that's uh, kind of a separate element.
1: Yeah, and, and Yeah, and this is kind of areas where legislators pay close attention, policy bills and budget bills and how they inform each other and interact. Uh, But Superintendent of Public Instruction Sherry Barrow is pushing a bill to lift the cap on the state's mastery-based education incubator program, kind of a pilot yeah, program. Right. It's capped at, I want to say, 20 school districts or charters. Yeah, 19 or 20 right incubators. Now. That sounds about right. Uh, Superintendent Ybarra would like to lift the cap. Uh, and so her bill to lift the cap to make it so that more school districts, so there's no limit, so that more school districts and charters could opt in to the, uh, there's an acronym, I want to say it's in the Idaho Mastery Education Network. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So her bill would lift that cap so that any school district or charter who wanted to participate could join the network, uh, could partner up with the peers already in the network, maybe exchange some professional development, uh, training, uh, some ideas on best practices, that sort of thing. There's also a companion funding request. Superintendent Ibarra had sought, I want to say $1.4 million in new spending uh, to help provide some funding assistance if the cap is lifted. Now, Here's where it gets complicated. Senate Education voted to advance the bill to lift the cap. But some of the budget writers on Senate Education said, ask Superintendent Ibarra if she would still feel good about her bill passing if there was no guarantee of supplemental state funding or not even supplemental state funding, but a trailer bill Mm -hmm. uh, to support her $1.4 million. Superintendent Ibarra seem to say, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, What we're looking for is to get more schools involved, to promote mastery. Uh, Stay tuned, we'll see what happens on the funding. And so that may or may not receive funding if The bill advances, but the bill even advancing out of committee was yet another victory uh, for Superintendent Ibarra this week because a similar bill last year failed in the Senate Education Committee. So she's gotten more support, won more support for the idea of mastery, uh, and she's gotten her bill farther um, than she has in the past. So got to chalk that up to another political victory for Superintendent Ibarra
0: regardless so you, of the funding.
1: And, and the funding, I
0: think, is a more difficult uh, hurdle to overcome this year because, as we've talked about uh, several times in, in this podcast over the past few weeks, there's just a lot of nervousness at the Statehouse about revenue flow, about uh, income tax collections, personal income tax collections coming in well below projections, mm-hmm. and what that means in terms of available funding. So, you know, to kind of loop back to what we saw on Monday with, with the education budgets, it was kind of jfacs way of sending a message of what they're going to what they're going to spend on public education and it basically put the public education budget at the head of the line ahead of a lot of other funding you know uh, most every other state agency i mean jfac is now working through some of the other agency budgets but
1: about half the state funding is accounted for already um, just
0: by doing the public schools budget on monday and really kind of staking out the funding for for public schools before before I have to start going in and looking at the other budgets, that might, uh, you, know, you know, you might see this committee and in turn this legislature
1: whittling down other agency budgets to try to protect funding for K-12. So Absolutely, and I was going to say, based on the volume of legislation we've seen this year, uh, which is much less than in previous years, based on the budgets that have already been set, specifically the public school budget, it feels like we are well on our way to adjourning the session it's not going to happen next week or the week after but we are clearly past the halfway point and moving towards not ramping up but winding down the legislative session so we'll right. see how that plays right. out right i
0: mean you know the rule of thumb is that it takes a couple of weeks for any budget bills to get out of the committee and get onto the yep. floors of the house or the senate so obviously JFEC is going to be setting budgets into the first week of march i believe at the, the very minimum so you're we're not going to be out of the session until probably the third week of March at the very, very earliest. Maybe start a really looking question.
1: a month from now. We yeah. need to see what happens with the Prop 2 Medicaid expansion debate. We need to see what happens with the public school funding formula proposal, um, potentially paving the way to adjourn about a month or so from now, give or take. I want to go back to the budget. You mentioned Governor Little's priority with literacy. Is that something that you wanted to... Did you want to talk a little bit yeah. more about, mm-hmm. about what that means, why that was a top priority, and, and, and a follow-up story that you had uh, th- this week? Right. So, you know, I don't think there's been much secret the past
0: few weeks uh, as the session has unfolded that Governor Little has made this early literacy initiative one of his top legislative priorities. Certainly, I think it's his top K-12 education priority. It may be his top priority, period. I mean, that's kind of what I heard from uh, Steve Baer, the Senate co-chair of JFAC, after Monday's vote. He said, the governor's exact words, this
1: is my top priority. And he really, as we understand it, really went to bat and pushed for this behind the scenes, made a full push that convinced legislators who may have been skeptical that he meant business.
0: Right. I mean, it it was very clear, uh, you know, from his comments and very clear from the way jfac responded to it but this is something that the governor has been pushing pushing for very hard and, and you heard that you were there wednesday morning when governor little met with uh the reporters uh state house reporters for the uh, annual idaho press club uh, breakfast with the governor adamant about the uh, as he sees it the importance of getting kids reading at grade level by third grade i mean if you're going to put half of the budget into public education
1: and kids aren't reading at grade level at, at third grade. Uh, he basically w- said, what are you doing with your money? R- if, right. if we spend half of our money on education and kids aren't reading with third grade, he used a little bit of salty language, but he said, what are we doing with yeah, our money here? Uh, what the hell are we doing? Yeah. I do the
0: exact words, but yes. Th- this doubling down on the literacy initiative is obviously something that uh, Governor Little is very, very adamant about. What I did with the story this week was... Uh, take a little bit of a step back and look at where we are in this literacy initiative, what we know at this point, and what do we not yet know about how this is working. And I took a close look at a study that JFAC asked for last year. Uh, They wanted an outside research uh, group to look at the literacy program so far. And we were three years in basically from when this was uh, launched. Uh, by the 2016 legislature, so JFAC asked Boise State University to do a study to look at the uh, at the research so far. And in a nutshell, the researchers from Boise State they they like the structure of the literacy initiative. They like the fact that uh, the, the money is following the need. I mean, you're you're giving schools money based on the number of at-risk readers they right. have. Um, They found a lot of trouble spots in literacy that we've seen before. Nothing really surprising here. Uh, Test scores dropping from kindergarten to first grade as kids go from learning letters and letter sounds to actually beginning to read. You see a drop off in reading scores in first grade. Not surprising. We've seen that before. You have achievement gaps that you're seeing uh, based on poverty, based on ethnicity, uh, limited English proficient students uh, lagging behind their peers. Nothing really surprising. These are serious issues. I'm not trying to downplay them. But no no shockers there. Um, But the bottom line of this study that I thought was really important was the researchers said it is It's extremely difficult at this point to gauge the effectiveness of this literacy initiative because you're only two years in, you only have two years of on the ground results from the schools. And on top of that, you've changed your assessment. You have a brand new assessment that kids are taking for the first time this school year. You had schools piloted a year ago, but that was only a handful of schools, relatively speaking. Now it's statewide, it's a brand new test. State Department of Education says you can't really compare these test results with, um, with, the predecessor. So yeah, I I was, I thought it was really important to look at this study and to, to, you know, look at the study in context. I, I sat down and talked to the governor's education aide Greg Wilson on Wednesday to just sort of get a sense of how they viewed the, the, how they viewed that study. And the takeaway that I got talking to him is that governor little recognizes, yeah, it's too early to tell exactly how this is all going but the governor likes a lot of what he's seeing the pilot uh, schools seem to like the, the new reading test he likes what he's seeing in the classrooms he likes the money's going into staffing where you need it um but you know the bottom line here is the governor made his recommendation on literacy spending on doubling down on the literacy program before this study came out but they saw nothing in the study to make them think twice about pushing for the idea of of doubling the funding. So, you know, my my takeaway in the story, and you can look at the story, it's at Idoednews.org. we have a link to the Boise State report in full, so you can read it for yourself, is this thing has a lot of political juice behind it. Mm -hmm. you got the governor, you've got JFAC unanimously supporting it, Superintendent Debara is on board with putting more money into literacy. I'd be shocked if we don't see this budget go through but you know we're you know we're in the middle of an experiment we're in the middle of a program that is only a couple years in it's really hard to gauge how it's going when you're trying to look at reading skills from kindergarten through third grade that's a four year window right it's going to take time to see how this is really really unfolding
1: yeah for sure yeah thanks for that if you want to get caught up you know sometimes it can get kind of confusing and and kind of go through some of these topics pretty quickly. But if you, if there's programs you're interested in, or if you're interested in taking an in-depth look at the budget, just head over to the homepage at idahoednews.org. Our first budget stories appeared Monday, so you're gonna to want to scroll back uh, a few days' worth of headlines. And then you had a big literacy follow-up uh, Wednesday or on, Thursday. That Thursday. dropped on Thursday morning, yeah. so that is uh, more that is Still
0: there. So you know, you know, to kind of, kind of put a cap on it. I think you've got legislators who are still wanting more information, even as they're putting more money into this budget. You know, JFAC asked for a follow-up study mm-hmm. on the literacy program for next year. So they want to see what uh, what researchers find, you know, after three years of uh, work on the ground. It was one of several studies that the committee asked for on, on several different education initiatives. So I, I think, you know, I think there's a recognition that, we don't have all the answers yet, but also I think there's a, a recognition from, from the governor and you know, the budget committee seemed to echo it you know, that this, this concept of reading proficiency and getting more kids reading at grade level by the, the close of third grade is vitally important. So, you know, I, again, the budget I think is going to go through. You know, and now we'll kind of see what happens, uh, what, what sort of results uh, schools are seeing as they segue into this new test and as they uh, you know, put more
1: money into, uh, into literacy programs. Yep, for sure. Um, one more topic I wanted to get to this week, and that was pre-K, or early childhood education. Uh, just came Friday from a hearing of the House Education Committee uh, where they considered uh, pre-K, uh, Early Childhood Education Act, And um, the House Education Committee's answer was not only no, but heck no. Um, Yeah. And so let's get into it. Uh, We just had a report from Education Commission of the States, that's a consulting group that'll be familiar to a lot of Idahoans by now, uh, that said that Idaho is now just one of four states uh, that does not have state-funded pre-K or preschool programs uh, going right now. That report just came out and... Idaho Pre-K and Early Childhood Advocates got together a bill. Uh, It was pushed by uh, Representative Paul Amador, a Republican from Coeur d'Alene, and uh, Idaho Business for Education President Rod Grammer. Uh, Idaho Association for the Education of Young Children, uh, Beth Oppenheimer, was also involved in Mm -hmm. this push. Uh, They had an introductory hearing on Friday, but the House Education Committee emphatically blocked the introduction of that bill. To the point that it not only kills the proposal for the year, but I I feel like the way it went dealt a serious blow to early childhood education advocates in Idaho, and and, and we can kind of get into why that might be. Well, I think what it shows is just how far away uh, early childhood
0: advocates are from making any kind of traction at the statehouse, you know. This is an introductory hearing. Most of the time, those are routine. Most of the time, those only take a couple of minutes. It's kind of formality. There are kind of a pro forma exercise. It's, OK, let's let the bill get introduced. Let's get it printed. Let's get it online so that Idahoans can take a look at it so they can, you know, so you can come back at a later date and have a full hearing. This didn't even get introduced, and the vote wasn't even that close. No, uh, it was overwhelming no vote. Um, I guess and you just had, you know. Clearly, as I read your, your account from, from the hearing on Friday, you had you know lawmakers who were just dug in, who were just dead set against the, the concept of expanding into pre-K in any form.
1: Yeah, a couple of things happened. Um, it, it, several times during the introductory hearing, legislators tried to cut off the introduction and said, you're going too long. You're getting into the weeds. And, uh, it, and it did go for half an hour. And like you said, you know, just by way of context... The Senate Education Committee has introduced something like three or five bills in just a matter of moments. Uh, So very quickly, rapid fire. uh, The advocates for this bill spent about a half hour, and that clearly irked some legislators on the House Ed Committee. Meanwhile, others, including Boise Democrat Steve Birch, said... You can't sit here and tell me that we have time to deal with bills addressing daylight saving time and we can't have a serious thoughtful conversation about pre-K. He basically said this was shameful and you know, when he was making that point, House Education Committee Chairman Lance Cloud tried to interrupt him and cut him off and he said that's exactly the point I'm making. Mm-hmm. And, and and so I don't know. And at one point, Representative Barbara Ehart, a uh, Republican from Idaho Falls, she referenced some PTA testimony from earlier talking about how early childhood programs can use sort of structure around ideas of play to help introduce a foundation for learning. Uh, that upset Representative Ehart. She said, why in the world would we spend state funds uh, to teach four-year-olds how to play when they should already know darn good and well how to play? Uh, Representative Gay Ann DeMordon is the actual one who led the effort to kill the bill to block its introduction. And she talked about the the revenue picture, about the amount of money that the state is spending on teacher raises and said, with the budget constraints and budget uncertainty, we can't do this this year, maybe in future years. And then that's sort of a sticking point because the bill was written so that it didn't have to affect the state budget. and And this is a little bit interesting and, and, and maybe this upset some people, but it was written so that it was sort of subject to appropriation and it was gonna be a permissive
0: vo- bill, it would have allowed yeah.
1: funding but it didn't mandate funding. And it was gonna be a voluntary bill anyway. So parents would have had to opt in, school districts would have had to get on board, the state would have had to provide money and so it was very permissive. Several things would have had to happen. But legislators said, you can't sit here and tell me that we're gonna expand pre K and require the state to at least contribute a fifty percent match to on-site early childhood and to completely have state funding for the home site early childhood programs and then say this doesn't have an effect on the budget. And so that rankled some legislators. And so uh, in the end, uh, they killed it. They blocked the introduction. And like you said, based on the makeup of the legislature, based on the makeup of the two education committees, based on the tone of the hearing today, and, and the fact that some members appeared even frustrated that they even had a hearing on this. Um, unless something were to change about the composition of the Idaho legislature, just the way I read today's events, it, uh, the Idaho legislature is years away from seriously considering pre-K. And I'm not trying to exaggerate. No, no. I'm not trying to say that that's the way it should be. I'm just saying, based on what we saw, based on the members of the legislature, They're not close to embracing pre-K, and it would be years away, and it would take a significant change within the ranks of the legislature for that to change. No, that's a fair assessment. And
0: let's let's step back a little bit and talk about how this affects policy at the state level and the local level. I I wrote a story earlier earlier this week before this hearing about sort of the state of pre-K on a couple of different fronts. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services handed out – more than $240 million of grants recently to help states sort of plan an early education program. It was not a grant that could be spent directly in a pre-K program, but it was more of a planning grant, allowing states to figure out what would an early education program look like in, in the, their respective states. So you had grants of up to, I think, $10 million or thereabouts were the, the high end of the grants 43 states got a a share of the money. District of Columbia got a share of the money. The Virgin Islands got a share of the money. Idaho did not. The reason Idaho did not, Idaho could not apply because the State Department of Education is forbidden by legislation. By law. From pursuing any kind of funding or or doing any sort of, you know, any kind of work on pre-K that would involve state dollars. And these federal grants had a required... Uh, state or local match so while 43 states got a share of these grants idaho couldn't even apply under the current uh under the current law earlier this week on monday you had a a trustee from the genesee school district talking about early education in her district in north central idaho Uh, they have a pre-k program parents have to pay for it Uh, they also have all day kindergarten that's another matter but the 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 pre-k program parents are paying for it Um, They're they're trying to break even as a district. They're trying to uh, make sure that the payments uh, are are covering the costs. At at some point, they do waive costs for some kids because you know if a kid's at risk, they want to get them into the program. They're saying that this is really helping with their reading scores. That they're they're seeing improvements in those K three reading scores. Uh, Their fall IRI scores were well above the state average when you look at K through three, and we couldn't really see a breakdown. Other kindergarten scores, because they're such a small district, they, they don't have to report or release the kindergarten scores. But their, their fall reading scores were well above the state average. There's no disputing that. So you had um, you know, a trustee from Genesee talking to the Senate Education Committee saying, you know, you need to give school districts a little bit more latitude to pursue these early education programs. So you've got that sort of groundswell from local districts, from your Genesees, from you know, the Basin school districts had a, a pre-K program for years. Boise is in, has an experimental program going, Caldwell has one going. So you have districts saying we want more flexibility, we wanna give more options to parents, we wanna provide more early education. Uh, there's been polling that uh, early childhood advocates have done, uh, early childhood education advocates have done that indicates that there's widespread public
1: support for, for pre-K
0: not at the legislature, and we certainly saw that in resounding fashion on Friday morning.
1: Yeah, Rod Grammer, the president of uh, Idaho Business for Education, said he surveys uh, his 200 business leaders who make up Idaho Business for Education every year, and he said overwhelmingly by a high margin, uh, support for early childhood education was their number one priority. And he said, you know, we've got these hard-nosed business leaders that want this because it's all about setting up the foundation for their education and ultimately preparing the workforce that they need. Often, the legislature really wants to listen to the business community uh, and what it values, um, but apparently wasn't convinced uh, at pre-K at this time. And to loop us back full circle to literacy,
0: because I think it's important to draw the connection here, the governor's $26 million request for literacy programs would allow a lot of different programs at the local level. Basically, the, the districts and the charters would have some latitude to decide how to spend that extra money day, kindergarten is on the table, reading coaches is on the table, pre-K is not on the table. Uh, it's not written in such a way that yep. a district or a charter could use these state dollars for pre-K. That, that is not part of the equation. That's not part of the governor's
1: request. All right. I think that's everything that uh, I wanted to get to this week. Just looking ahead to uh, next week, um, we haven't seen the public school funding formula bill introduced. We know negotiations are going on behind the scenes, perhaps. That could come next week. I got the sense that some progress has been made, although there are still uh, debates about the career ladder salary money uh, the money for teacher uh, pay and benefits, there's still a debate surrounding that. I think on Tuesday in House Education, we are likely to hear a full hearing on the uh, sex education opt-in bill that Representative Ehart out of Idaho Falls is sponsoring. Uh, that uh, may or may not be controversial, but it will receive uh, a full hearing <laughs> I think it'll Tuesday. probably be controversial. I think there's
0: a fair chance that there will be controversy about that one. But So sex ed's going to get a hearing. Uh, we, we may or may not get a funding formula bill, you know. Do without what you will, folks.
1: We'll be there when for when well, it, whatever when it happens, goes. we'll be there for it. All right. Well, hey, thanks so much. We always have uh, a lot of fun on the education on the Extra Credit podcast talking about this often complicated intersection of education policy and education politics. I want to thank everybody so much for listening.
0: A- and a and a and a quick P.S. Uh, if you're listening to this and you want to hear even more about this, uh, I will be on public TV tonight. I will be on Idaho Reports, eight uh, o'clock Friday night. We'll be talking more about. Uh, Literacy, we'll be talking about the school budgets and a lot more, and you can always catch that online after the fact as well.
1: All right, sounds good. Be sure to uh, check out our homepage, www.idahoednews.org. You can give us a follow on Twitter, at Idaho Ed News. We make our latest stories there, live tweet, uh, the big meeting. So thanks so much. We'll be back next week for another brand new edition of Extra Credit. In the meantime, I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week.